You take care of my business, and I'll take care of yours. You take care of what I've called you to do, and I'll take care of you. You give me your life, and I'll take care of the rest. These disciples are wondering, Lord, we want to serve you, but how are we going to get food? How are we going to get drink? How are we going to get clothes on our back? Jesus says, listen, your concern is doing my business, and I'll take care of yours. Uh, Let's go right into the scriptures tonight. We'll be going in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. I want to give to you just an encouraging message tonight entitled, Finding Comfort in Serving Christ. Finding Comfort in Serving Christ. When you have it, if you just follow along, I'll begin our reading in verse number 25. You follow, I'll read it out loud. Verse 25, I'll go all the way down to the end of the chapter. The Bible says this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet... For your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow was cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what we shall drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. Let's go ahead and pray as we open the service. Lord, we come to you tonight asking you to speak to us. Lord, we come to you and we're so thankful, Lord, for all that you've done. And you worked on our heart through the worship and, and Lord, the, the special music that we, that we heard. And Lord, we are so touched by it. But Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that you'd allow us to focus in on what you have for us. Lord, remove any distractions that might cause us to, our minds to wander, but Lord, help us to find encouragement in Christ tonight. Lord, bless this time as we open up your word, Lord, and everything that's done would be glorifying to you only. In your name we ask it. Amen. As believers, have you ever thought to yourself that sometimes the Christian life can be rather difficult, can't it? Sometimes the Christian life is a life that brings some trials, brings pain. And sometimes if you're like me, as you read through the scriptures and you read the things that God calls us to live by, I can sit there and I can sit there as I'm reading this. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of responsibility I have as a believer. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of responsibility to be a light in this world. And I think to myself, Lord, why me? Lord, how can someone like me do what you've called me to do? You know, if the Christian life was easy, We'd all be doing it. We'd all be very good at it too. But with with walking with God, with, with taking steps of faith, with obeying God, often comes sacrifice. Often comes difficulty. Often comes pain. And I'm sure many of us are the same way that we've we desire to follow God, we desire to seek after the things of God, but not everything is is happy go lucky, is it? 
Share it if you were to ask your pastor. I'm sure there are things in his, in his ministry and in his life that God has called him to do, and he had to sit there and kind of, you want me to do that? That's kind of where my family is at. You know, there's nothing I could see us doing rather than serving the Lord, church planning, but there are often times where in the middle of my service, I have to take a step back because I'm overwhelmed by the things that I, I get to do. Sometimes I have to take a step back and realize that God is with me. I'm not doing this alone. And if you're like me, oftentimes when we strive to do the right things, when we strive to serve God, when we strive to keep Christ first, there comes difficulty, isn't it? That's kind of what we see here in in Matthew chapter 6 to a degree. You know, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is really one really long sermon from Jesus. We know this sermon is arguably Jesus' most famous sermon. And as he preaches this sermon, we ought to realize that this sermon is directed... And I know there was a crowd that day. I know there was lots of people listening. But when you, when you really break it down to its core, this sermon was directed to the disciples. This sermon was directed to the followers of Christ. And, and can I say this, that as we read chapter 5, 6, and 7, when we read it, we can say this is directed to us. These are principles that we have to live by as well. And Jesus is preaching this message, and what he's doing is he's laying down a foundation. He's giving a blueprint. He's showing these disciples how to live the Christian life properly. Essentially, what he's saying is is he's giving them the blueprint of how to live like Jesus. How to live a life that chases after righteousness and not unrighteousness. And that's what Jesus is showing them in this this message. And at the very end of this message in chapter 7, Jesus closes his message by saying this. Look at chapter 7 and verse 24. So after he's laid all the foundation, after he's given them principle, after principle, after principle, this is how he closes the message. He says this in verse 24 of chapter 7. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now you know this parable, the wise man and the foolish man. What Jesus is saying is take all that you've heard from me preach. Take these three chapters and if you live by them, if you obey them, then you will be a wise man. But on the contrary, if you don't, if you choose to stray from these principles, if you choose to stray from what I've called you to do, you will be a foolish man. So essentially what he's doing is he's telling his disciples and he's giving them principle after principle after principle and he says, oh yeah, by the way, you need to live by these principles. Now you need to obey them. They're not just there to read. They're not just there to admire it. They're there so you can live by them. Now I don't know about you, but if that was me, I would kind of be like, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, Jesus. Lord, I, you know I want to live by these. You know I want to obey you. You know my heart is to serve you and to keep you first and to, and to follow you in all that you say, but Lord, I'm just human. Lord, I think I'm going gonna, I'm I'm to fail. I think there are times where I might falter a bit, Lord. And in the verses we read tonight in Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34, is Jesus giving comfort to the disciples. This is Jesus telling these disciples all that they needed to know to find comfort even in the midst of an overwhelming task that was given to them. And can I say this, church, that oftentimes as, as, as believers in our day, we, we know what the scripture says. We know what God has called us to do. We know the Lord's will for our life. And oftentimes we can sit there and say, Lord, I'm just a human. 
Lord, I'm scared to, I'm scared to fail. Lord, I'm scared to let you down. And can I encourage you tonight from Matthew chapter 6 that these verses of comfort, as much as they were directed to these disciples, they are also directed to you. And as you seek to serve God, as you seek to keep him first in your life, as you seek to obey this word, may we find comfort in these verses tonight. That yes, God has called us to do so much, but also he's given us comfort. He's given us assurances that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us assurances of what it means to be a believer. So tonight, I just want to show you four things from this passage that Jesus gives to these disciples to calm their soul, to calm their nervousness, calm their anxiousness, calm their fears. Jesus gives them four things. Number one, he talks about this. He talks about their priority to God. We see that Jesus talks about their priority to God. I, to me, as I read these verses, I kind of put myself in the disciples' shoes. You know, I, I believe that as Jesus was laying on things for these disciples to do, like being happy in tribulation, being a light in this world, being a salt to this world, you know, keeping your promises, you know, live with a pure motive. As Jesus is giving them principle after principle after principle, I'm sure these disciples kind of sat there with a nervousness. I mean, these disciples knew who they were. They, they were nobodies. These were, these were society's nobodies. And not just were they nobodies, they had nothing. One of the requirements to following God is that they would leave all and forsake all and follow him. And so oh, these disciples, apart from their newfound following Christ, listen, they didn't have much going for them. They weren't the most talented. They weren't the most liked. They weren't the richest. They weren't the ones with the most ability. These were the outcasts that Jesus had called to follow him. And so I believe these disciples at this moment, for Jesus to address their fears means that there was a little nervousness in them. They were scared that they would fail. They were scared that they would do the wrong thing. Okay, in verse 25, let's read it. The Bible says this, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet your, for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. You know, as I read this verse, you have to understand that the very first word of this verse is therefore. Now you know this. Anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. The word therefore means and for this reason or because of that. So for us to understand what Jesus is trying to tell them in verse 25, we got to know what he's talking about in verse 24. For us to know the context of 25, let's look at verse 24. The Bible says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I believe right here Jesus lays down one of the most black and white statements he's ever made. He tells his disciples, listen, if you're going to be a true follower of me, if you're going to serve me, listen, then serve me wholeheartedly. If you're going to follow after me, if Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is going to be a reality in your life, you've got to choose me and me only. Jesus wasn't calling half-hearted disciples. Jesus wasn't calling part-time followers. What Jesus was looking for was disciples that were sold out to giving him everything they had. What Jesus was doing at this moment was putting the ball in the disciples' court and giving them a choice. That either you're going to serve me with your whole heart or you're going to serve mammon. Because the reality is you can't do both, is what he's trying to say. You can't mix both in your life. He's saying you're either going to serve me or you're not. 
Now for us to understand the context of this verse, we've got to understand what mammon is. Jesus says, you're either going to serve me or you're going to serve mammon. What is mammon? What is he talking about when he's saying mammon? You know, in, in its most basic, stripped-down form, mammon can mean materialism, money, possessions, wealth. So what Jesus is saying to these disciples is that either you're going to serve your money, your wealth, your material things, or you're going to choose to serve me. That you're going to spend your life serving and chasing after possessions, or you're going to spend your life serving and chasing after me, and you can't say both because it's one or the other. I had a friend that I went to, uh, we went to, we didn't go to the same church or the same, we didn't have the same youth group, but he was a friend of mine, and he was in a different youth group. But we went to the same youth conferences, we went to the same youth events, and he was, he was a good friend of mine. We had, we had a kind of a friend group, and he was in that friend group. And the, and the Lord began working in both our hearts at the same time. You know, when the Lord had called me, as I mentioned in my video, at the age of 15 at a youth conference, he called me to surrender my life to him, to serve him in Canada. He made the same decision that same year. A few of us actually made that same decision that same year. And, and so for the next few years, we all, we all kept each other accountable. If one of us was messing up, we, we'd make sure they'd get back on the, on the right track. We prayed for each other. We loved each other. We, we took care of each other. We made sure we were all living the right way. You know, years had passed. We all kept in contact. We all decided that if we're going to serve God, we're going to go to Bible college. And I remember a month before Bible college, I, I remember getting a message from him. And he said, hey, you know, I've been talking with some other friends, and, and I'm just going to change my plans a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to go to Bible college this year. Instead, I'm going to go to university for a couple of years and kind of be financially stable. And we told him, you know, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous move you're making, but he was pretty set. And so he ended up doing that. He went to university, and as you can imagine... We didn't really talk much. His, his desires changed. His goals changed. Two years after, after he graduated, after two years, he was offered a job, got married to someone who doesn't love the Lord, and today is completely out of church. I mean, he, I don't know if he's doing well financially. I don't know how well his job took him, but I know that he's away from the Lord today. Why? Because at a moment in his life, he chose to chase mammon. He chose to chase mammon instead of chasing after what God had called him to do. You see, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is addressing the disciples' priorities. He said, either I'm going to be number one or I'm not going to be there at all. You choose me or you choose nothing. For the disciples to, be Matthew, to, to obey Matthew 5, 6, and 7, they needed to make Jesus the priority in their life. Jesus says this in, in, in verse 24. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other. That word hate is an interesting word because the word hate doesn't mean to love a little less. That word hate means to completely disregard. That you're just going to forsake it altogether. You have no desire to take it back in your life. Jesus says either you're going to hate the one or love the other. So Jesus is telling these disciples, am I the priority of your life or not? And church, can I say this? As much as we want to shine the spotlight on the disciples, we must shine that same spotlight in our own heart tonight. Can I ask you, church, is Jesus the priority of your life? Is he the one you're chasing? I didn't ask church if he was a priority because I feel like that's where believers fall short. That we're okay making Jesus a priority with a few other things in our life. You know, Jesus is still there. I read my Bible this week. I was at church this week. 
I did what I needed to do. I kept Jesus high on that list. And Jesus is a priority. But that's not what Jesus is looking for, is he? He says, you're either going to serve me or you're going to serve something else. You can't have both. Jesus is calling these disciples to make him the number one priority in their life. So right off the bat, Jesus wants to know if their priorities are right. And church, can I say this? I truly believe the struggle or, or the, the temptation, the, the tension between serving mammon and serving God is a very real struggle in modern day Christianity, isn't it? It is very, very much a real struggle. And I believe these disciples are like many of us tonight. We want to serve God. We want to make him number one. We want to give him our all. But the reality is that the disciples' worry is a worry that we have. God, we, we need Pamon. <laughs> Don't I mean, try living in a world today without money or clothes or a home or possessions. I mean, don't we need mammon? I'm sure there were disciples listening as Jesus taught this that were convicted because they were chasing mammon, listen, to be rich. But I believe there were some disciples that day that as they listened to Jesus were chasing mammon not to be rich, but just to survive, just to get through. And I believe this is where many believers find themselves today is that we are chasing mammon. We want money. We want possessions. We want fame. Listen, not to be the next millionaire. We want it to be able to feed our kids. We just want it to be able to survive, to pay our bills, to get through the next week. We're chasing money not out of greed but out of necessity. We're not doing it to be, the, to be rich. We're doing it to survive the next day. Isn't it strange that God has designed this life, that it's wrong to love money and yet we need money to survive, but we can't need it too much that we begin to love it. So Jesus, sure, we're going to follow you. Sure, we're going to dedicate it all. Sure, we'll leave everything behind for you. But really, Jesus, how are we going to meet those needs? We want to serve you, Lord. We want to make you priority. But that's a genuine concern. How are we going to meet those needs? So number one, we see your priority to God. Number two, we see this, your provision from God. Your provision from God. Look in verse 25 once again. The Bible says this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Jesus says this, If your priority is serving me, therefore take no thought for your life. If your goal, if your desire is to, is to follow me with your heart, then don't worry. Don't worry about it. Jesus is not telling them not to work. Jesus is not telling them to be lazy and to not labor. Jesus is telling them, yes, work, but don't worry. Look what Jesus addresses. Look at the three things he addresses in verse 25. He says, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and what you shall put on. It seems to me that these disciples weren't concerned about receiving the luxuries of life. They just were concerned about receiving the necessities of life. They wanted to know how they were going to eat, how they are going to drink, and what clothes they were going to wear. They wouldn't want to be rich and famous. They just wanted to know how they were going to live. What was Jesus saying to these disciples that we can take with us today? Okay? This was the message that Jesus was saying. Listen, knowing that, all, that he challenges them to serve him in a more deeper, committed way, Jesus says this, listen, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. You take care of what I've called you to do and I'll take care of you. You give me your life and I'll take care of the rest. 
These disciples are wondering, Lord, we want to serve you, but how are we going to get food? How are we going to get drink? How are we going to get clothes on our back? Jesus says, listen, your concern is doing my business, and I'll take care of yours. Can I say that that is a true promise even today? The church, if our desire is to serve, serve God and to seek after him and to chase him and give him all that we have, listen, the rest of it, God will take care of. God will sort out the details. God will fill in the rest. You just, you, you just prioritize your life around Christ and he will take care of the rest. What Jesus was trying to do was trying to eliminate any fears or worries that his disciples had that they would live forgotten, live forsaken. Jesus was eliminating the fears about how they would survive on a daily basis. What Jesus is doing is taking the responsibility for your care and putting it on his shoulders. He says, don't worry about that. That's my responsibility. And church, can I encourage you tonight that maybe you seek after, your desire is to seek after God, but yet you have reservations. Say, God, if I serve you, then how am I going to? God, if my child wants to serve you, then how are they going to? Can we be encouraged tonight from Matthew chapter 6 that maybe God is asking you just to let go of it? To stop gripping so tight to those worries, those concerns that are holding you back from serving him to the fullest capacity. May we just be encouraged tonight from what Jesus is trying to say in Matthew chapter 6. That listen, serve me, give me everything you got, and I'll take care of the rest. Don't need to worry about that. That is, that is my responsibility. He goes on in verse 26, look how it says. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more better than they? Jesus says, listen, I take care of the birds. How much more, my children? You have more value. Your life has worth. You are created in my image. You're my son. You're my daughter. How much more will I take care of you? Let's keep reading. Verse 27, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Verse 29, Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus is saying that worrying accomplishes nothing. Worrying adds nothing to your life. You can't worry so much that it fixes the problem. Verse 31, Therefore, or sorry, verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? I love this verse, because you know what Jesus is telling these disciples? That the answer to their anxiety, the answer to their worry, the answer to the stress that was crippling them, listen, was just a greater understanding of Jesus. Look, if you knew how much I loved you, disciples, you'd stop worrying. If you knew what I was capable of, disciples, you'd stop worrying. If you knew how I viewed you, if you knew that you were my child and that nothing can take you away from me, if you just knew that, disciples, you would stop worrying. Jesus is saying, if God can take care of the birds, how much more can God take care of you? How much more does God love you? How much more does he value you? What Jesus was giving was an open invitation to those that love the Lord, to those that wanted to serve him, to truly be free from the worries that crippled them. To truly be free from the things that were holding them back from serving him. So number one, we see their priority to God. Number two, their provision from God. Number three, their position in God. Their position in God. Look at verse 32. There's an interesting phrase that verse 32 start with, starts with. It says, for after all these things. What are these things? Well, the necessities of life. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. 
But what's Jesus saying here in verse 32? When Jesus mentions these Gentiles, he's referring to those who did not know God, who are apart from God. And so Jesus is saying that those who are apart from God, those who don't know me, those who don't have a relationship with me, those are the ones seeking after the necessities. Those are the ones that are worrying. Those are the ones that don't have answers. And so what Jesus is saying, as much as he's poking at the Gentiles, he's really poking at the believers here, because he's saying that if you worry, if you start doubting me, if, you, if your worry cripples you that you can't serve me, listen, that's a characteristic of someone who does not know me. That's a characteristic of someone who has no relationship with me. What Jesus is saying is the Gentiles worry about those things, but that shouldn't be something found in you. Okay? Look how the rest of the verse 32 ends. I have this underlined, these four words. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Your heavenly Father. You know how many times Jesus calls himself our Father in this chapter alone? Twelve times. It was a true point of emphasis that Jesus calls himself their father or our father. Jesus, at this point, wanted to remind them of their position in Christ. Listen, church, my position in Christ, and now that I've accepted him and I put my faith and trust in him, my position in Christ is that I'm a child of God forever. I am his son forever. And there's nothing that's going to change that. I, I can't lose that. His love for me is unconditional. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that no man can pluck you from God's hand. Listen, church, aren't you glad today that your position in Christ is unchanging? Aren't you glad today that your position in Christ doesn't depend on your performance? Your position in Christ doesn't depend on your progress. And that, that when you've accepted Christ, being a son or a daughter of God is settled for eternity. There's two things I want us to, rem- want to remind us with, that our position reminds us that we are loved. Our position in Christ reminds us that we are loved. Listen, now that, I'm a, now that I'm a father, I have a greater understanding of the picture of Heavenly Father to His Son. It's not a perfect understanding. I'm still a sinner. I'm still flawed. So I don't fully understand it. But I, I'm, I'm learning more and more what Jesus means by being my Heavenly Father. Because as a flawed earthly father, I know the love I have towards my kids. As an earthly father, I know how much I care for them. I know how much I want to provide for them. But when you zoom out and realize that your heavenly father who is perfect and holy, capable of all things, owns all things, loves you with an everlasting love, that's a humbling thought, isn't it? Your position in Christ reminds you that you're loved. And as as an earthly father, even if my son is disobedient, I never want him to question my love. Even if my son failed me, I never want him to question my love. And whether he's good or he's bad, I want him to know that I love him. Listen, that's what Christ wants you to know. That, that, that your, his love for you is unchanging. It is unconditional. And what Jesus is saying in the light of this context of this sermon is that with all that I've called you to do, with all that I've asked you to do, with the responsibility I've placed on your shoulders to bear the name of Christ, there's going to be moments you're going to fail for no other reason other than you're human. Because humans fail. But these failures, the moments that we fall, yes, it should break our heart. Yes, it should cause us to, to, to be broken and to weep. But these failures should never cause us to say, does God still love me? Does Jesus still love me? Like any father, he disciplines, he corrects. But listen, he loves you with an everlasting love. So our position reminds us that we are loved. Our position also reminds us that we are taken care of. That we are taken care of. 
Can I say this? That having a toddler has, has taught me what it meant to have a childlike faith. It, it's not a blind faith, but it's a faith that I believe in you, I trust you because I know who's in charge. I'm not worrying because I know who's in charge. You know, my toddler has never once asked me, are we going to have food tomorrow? My, my toddler has never once asked me, am I going to have clothes tomorrow? Why? Because that's not his responsibility to worry about. That's mine. As, as, a, as a young boy, four, five, six, I never asked my dad, uh, are we going to have food tomorrow? You know, where am I going to get my clothes? Why? Because as a four-year-old, that's not my responsibility to take care of. That's his. And so what Jesus is saying is that all those things you worry about, that's not your responsibility to take care of. That's mine. Psalm 37 says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So being a child of God reminds me that I'm forever loved. Being a child of God reminds me that I will forever be taken care of. What a great promise from God. And I want to close with this tonight. So we see our... Our, our, our priority to God, we see our provision from God, we see our position in God, and number four, we see our promise from God. This is how Jesus summarizes this sermon by giving us Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33. The Bible says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus takes everything we've just read and summarizes it in one verse. Says, seek me, and all these things will be added to you. Seek me, serve me, chase after me, and don't worry about the rest. Jesus was telling these disciples to replace all the doubt and worry and instead focus all their energy on pursuing God and his work. See, seeking God means we are actively pursuing him. Seeking God means we are actively praying in our life, that we are actively reading his word, that we are actively reaching the lost that we are actively obeying his will. And listen, this is the greatest part of this chapter. It's that this is a direct promise from God. Jesus promises his disciples, Jesus promises his children that if you seek me, I will come through. If you seek me, I, I will provide the rest. And when Jesus promises something, church, can I say this? We can go forward with all confidence. His success rate is 100%. He's never once failed anybody before. He's never once let anybody down before. That when Jesus promises he will take care of you, he'll take care of you. There's nothing to worry about. And Jesus seals these disciples' worries by leaving them a promise to seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So church, I want to close by reminding you today that the call to live for God, the call to leave all and follow him, the call to obey him, the call to love and serve as he did, can sometimes be an overwhelming call for a human. <laughs> sometimes we can stand there and think that we're going to struggle. Sometimes we can stand there and worry that we're going to fail. But can I say this, like I said, uh, like, like what Jesus said, that if we surrender our life to God, that he promises to take care of us. We're going to fail at times. But listen, our position in Christ is settled. We're forever his. That shouldn't cause us to be lazy, saying, oh, God loves me, I can sin however much I want. No, our, uh, the love that God has for us doesn't cause us to be lazy, but rather motivates us to serve him more. That because he loves me, I want to give him my all. Because he loves me, I'm okay sacrificing and surrendering things. And Jesus says, serve me and I'll take care of you. Why? Because you're my child and that'll never change. In church, that is a promise from Jesus himself. So as we seek to serve God, as we seek to follow him, 
Maybe today that in your mind you have some reservations. You're wondering, how is God going to provide? How's that answer going to come? How's that door going to open? And you say, God, I want to serve you, but you fill in the blank. God, I want to give you my all, but however many worries you have, however many fears you have, can we tonight surrender them at the foot of the cross and say, God has promised to take care of all those things I worry about as long as I surrender and commit my life to him. Let's pray and I'll hand it over to Pastor Tony. Lord, we're thankful tonight. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.